0: Okay, we're on. We're going to recap just a little bit because this is uh, a crazy summer and uh, just getting crazier. Um, so we've talked about uh, perfection, uh, and uh, we began uh, talking about things that are directed towards God. We began talking about moral perfection. We said that was the, the easiest most simplest thing to at least comprehend. It's not, not easy to do, but, but the smallest part of, of, of per, being perfect. We, we, we talk so much about being perfect and not sinning, which is an important part of it. That is actually the smallest part, really, of, of our faith, the, the not doing the wrong thing. That was the, where God began, when he wanted to teach people Right? Uh, most of your your ten commandments and, and those things were were what not to do just don't don't do this, this small list of things uh, and and that 's where he began the the not doing and then he we, we talk about being spiritual and and, and moving towards a, a positive thing this this inner this this inner uh perspective we have of what really is happening in the world around us, the, 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 the battle that is being fought when we're, we're so distracted by, by physical things. And uh, we, we then moved into kind of the things that are, the ways our faith is directed towards other people. And if you recall, uh, we, we, we talked about this, this relational aspect, this uh, how we as Christians relate to other Christians, but not just. But we wanted. We were very specific, and we talked about how we do that outside of these four walls, on an individual basis. How do I relate to to the other Christians and, and, and building relationships? Now we were gone last week, uh, and um, if, if things didn't, if if a Cam didn't call an audible on me. Uh, we talked about evangelistic perfection and, and and moving on in in the way we communicate to other people who are not christians uh, and and I want to come back a little bit to to the idea and I said kind of the the sermon uh, the, the first sermon is very connected to our our concluding sermon and, and as we talk about this it's, it's important that we that we understand the things that even though we direct a couple of things are uh, really directed towards our relationship with God, they will still impact my relationship with other people. Right? There will still be an influence there. And the things that are directed towards other people will still impact my relationship with God, even if it's not directed towards Him. My evangelism is directed towards other people. It's going to impact my relationship with God. My, my How I interact with people in the church outside of the charge raised, eyes twitching back. How I do that will impact my relationship with God. It will influence it. And so the last one that we're going to be talking about is religious perfection. Now we need to stop here just a little bit and talk about religion. It is a popular thing to downplay the word religion. It's a popular thing to do, at least in some religious circles. And in fact, people use one of these other avenues of of our faith to reference that. People will say, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. You heard that. I'm spiritual, not religious. Well then, have I got a sermon for you. So let's look at some definitions. We're not going to go into Greek or anything today. We're just going to go into English, and we're going to look at some definitions. And and depending on your dictionary, I forget which one I pulled this from. Uh, We have three definitions. Take your pick. If you don't want to be religious, uh, it means a belief in God, God's, or the supernatural. So if you are not religious, we need to have a talk. Because that means you don't believe in God. Or at least the supernatural in some way. So, so, so you, you kind of need to and work there. I, I don't think we have a problem with that this morning. Oh, another definition of being religious means uh, religious refers to the ideas or practices that are associated with a person's belief in God. So, uh, so my religion, the things I do, the things I say, the things I believe specifically beyond, yeah, I believe in God. Okay, what things do you believe about God? Those are a part of your religion. That's a definition of religion. Do you have those things? Do you have ideas? No, I don't have any ideas about God. I don't do anything. Then we need to talk. Uh, and, And the third one, it can be a reference to a specific religious group or a category broader we could say the Christian religion or the Christian faith. It's used very synonymous with the, the word faith like that. Uh, it can be very specific and be, it can be broad. Uh, so, uh, so we're going to kind of look at some of these, not specifically address these as, a, as, a, as an outline for our sermon, but, but kind of where we're going to direct are these last two ideas as we talk about perfecting. Our religion, the the ideas and the practices that that kind of govern the group. Uh, In other words, we're not look. We're looking at how we develop our relationship, not with uh, a perspective of individually. I'm going to get together and talk with this person outside of this, but but as we relate to the group and the things we do together as a group, specifically pertaining to when we are together. So, uh, with that, let's uh, look at some scriptures here. uh, And and we want to kind of explore and address some myths, first of all. Uh, and, And we'll do this beginning in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now I see in this passage two things. I see something that Directs towards a a inner faith, don't I? I I see this reference to love, this this reference to uh, Christ, to, to to God and man, this relationship, what we would call spirituality. If you love me, but then I see a reference to that second thing we called religion, the things, the practices, the things that are associated with our faith. Right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, if you are spiritual, we will phrase this modernly, if you are spiritual, you will be religious. That's what this verse says in the Andrew Green version. In other words, neither spirituality or religion are expendable. You, 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 you can't just pick one. Christ says, if you're going to have one, you're going to have the other one. One builds the other. Second, in James chapter 1, verse 26, he says, If anyone seems to be religious, yet does not bridle, or, or one version says, if anyone is considered to be religious, but he does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this one's religion is worthless. Now, let's, let's, I, I want to kind of go into this in just a little bit of detail. The bridling of the tongue here is not the religion. That's something that invalidates the religion. He says he deceives his heart. Again, we go to spirituality. This person's religion is worthless. Notice he doesn't insult the having of the religion. He just says there are things that will invalidate your religion. James also later clarifies or, uh, what religion is. We're going to come back to that. And so the fact is, is that we've seen now that both really will invalidate each other. Or the lack of one will invalidate the other. Or improper doing of one will invalidate the other. Improper religion or not having religion will invalidate your, your spirituality and not being properly spiritual will invalidate your religion, and that means that neither one is superior to the other. They do different things. They are built for different things. They are not expendable. Neither one is superior. And that means that they are not interchangeable. I cannot accomplish with my religion what my spirituality is intended to do. I cannot accomplish with spirituality what religion is intended by God to do. They are not interchangeable. They are not expendable. This is not a buffet. I don't like the coconut shrimp. Too bad. This is what there is. God says, I I heard someone say, they they were talking about... You know, growing up now versus growing up when they were a kid. And they said, you know, I asked, I was, it was a long time ago. And I asked my mom what was for supper. And she said, supper is for supper. <laughs> That's what there is. God says, this is what there is. They're all Made by God, they're all different elements of our faith, designed to do different things, and our religion is is designed for the group. And We're going to look at that. We we probably know the last verse here. Don't wait. The next verse, James one twenty seven, and it's not it's not in here, but you know it. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. So it, the word religion is in there. To do what? Do you remember the widow and the orphan in their poverty? It is for other people. He was specifically addressing the church. Taking care of of people in the church. And and we is is that kind of going over into the individual stuff outside of the church? It sort of was outside of. But if you recall, if you recall in the early days of the church, and James would have been here for it, that they actually had a, a church function. They appointed men over this church function and they involved different people to make sure it got done correctly. It it was a together thing. It was a group thing. So I want to look at the importance of religion. First of all, this is kind of... Beating a dead horse, I suppose but but I want to emphasize this: God desires religion, but he desires valid religion. This is in Acts chapter seventeen, Paul has gone through just as a as a background. Paul has gone through uh, Athens, and he's prepared his sermon by by looking at everything in the city says so, so Paul stands in the midst of the Areopagus, and he said. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way, you are very religious. He's not insulting them, by the way. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown. This I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. And he continues and gives them... And and this is the important thing. He's not... Telling them that they should not be religious, he relates what two words? He relates religion and worship. He's relating their group worship, their official altars that were dedicated for their group worship. He says, "He's like, I perceive you're very religious, but the problem is, is you have an invalid definition, and it, it, it's invalidating what you do. God wants religion." He just wants it to be valid. We've already looked at some of the ways that it's invalidated. But he spent time analyzing. Paul did not spend time analyzing their religion walking through a city. I don't know if you've ever walked through a city. Just walk. It's exhausting to walk a lot. I know, so just walking. You walk through a city analyzing this so they can say, eh, yeah, religion, you don't really need it. So <clears throat> he wants a valid expression of faith. The second idea here is that solitude hinders religion. Religion, remember what we're talking about, it hinders. It doesn't hinder spirituality, and sometimes, in fact, it it enhances it. But they do different things. But solitude, and and I want to illustrate this with communion. We've talked about communion. I'll talk about it. Tim talked about it being the focal point. And you'll notice when Tim's up here, that's what he talks about. It's on his mind. This is the focal point, right? This is the focal point. It is important for us to remember that. Now, I I don't say this because, I'm not going to use this illustration simply because it's the only religious thing we do. But it is the only religious ceremony that we do as Christians. There's a lot of religious things we do. But as far as what we would call a ceremony, this is it. Pretty simple. And, And so it makes a good illustration. You can take this illustration and you can apply it to other things. But I want to look at a couple of passages having to do with communion. It says, In the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe that in part. And he continues. And this whole chapter is about how they were messing up communion. How do you mess up a ceremony? Good grief. But I want you to understand that this was a part of them coming together as a church. Now, there are elements of spirituality in communion, aren't there? He talks about meditating, We, we, we talk about examining oneself. That's spirituality. So why did they come together to do it? That's interesting. Let's move on. Same chapter. And this will emphasize the point. He says, so then, my brothers, when you, didn't say if, when you come together to eat, wait, for one another. Now, we don't really have that issue because we don't walk through cities, right? We drive, it's pretty easy. You know, it, like, it's pretty easy to get here on time. We, we don't have to wait all day for the people who live a long ways away to walk. But this is the point. He's saying, okay, the some people, wait for each other. This is a together thing. This is a together thing. It is designed for a group. We're going to look at why. Let's look at another passage. Back up a chapter. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body. We are all partakers of that one bread. It's kind of in the name. Together is in the name, really. Community. And you say, well, well, this is talking about communing with Christ. So why does he use the metaphor to apply to us being together if it's just about communing with Christ? It's about a group of people being religious and communing with Christ. It does something that spirituality cannot do. The metaphor builds together into itself. And if you're still not convinced, Luke chapter 22, verse 15 through 18, he says to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Pause. What's the kingdom of God? Well, he's already defined it, when you come together as a church. That's the kingdom of God. Paul says in in Colossians that we have already been translated into the kingdom. It's, It's not heaven. There will be a kingdom in heaven. The kingdom is not. And he says, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said... This is, Paul, or this, is, this is Jesus now in the upper room. He says, he had given thanks. He said, take this, divide it among yourselves, for I tell you, from now on I will not drink of the fruit of vine until the kingdom of God comes. And I want to look at that first statement. He says, I have greatly desired to eat this Passover with you, and I'm going to do it again in the kingdom. Christ. The reason we come here, the reason it's important to be here together for communion is because Christ says, I'm going to be here. So, you're on vacation, and you're going to be spiritual. I'm going to be spiritual. I have just reserved the table for one. Because Christ says, I'm with the group. I have reserved the table. And it's not, this is not merely about being individually spiritual. There's a time and a place for that. And it does wonderful things. Being together spiritually is wonderful. God designed it for a purpose. But God says, this is about religion. Religion. This is about a group, and I have designed this for a group. So when you come together, wait for one another. It's about one another. And I want to get into that idea a little bit more. I want to get beyond the communion. Because, as I said, th- that's just a ceremony. It illustrates some things, but, but we, we, we want to get into deeper into other aspects of religion. Because if we're going to perfect it, if we're going to, that word means to complete it, right? It's not a reference to sin. It's, it's a reference to complete something. Something that has been throughout all of these passages, that's unavoidable, and maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't, has been unity. And that's what the group is about. That's what God has designed the group for. It's about unity. Every one of those passages, the ones the waiting for another, and he says, why? There's divisions among you. For all these passages about doing things, we look at the religion in and, and, uh, and James, the references to it. What is it? This disunity. It's not treating certain groups correctly. Disunity is not a problem you can have by yourself. All right? I mean, if you're having unity problems by yourself and, you know, we have to talk about something else. Managing personalities and conflicts, that's stuff that happens when we're together. And it always happens. There's things that I like, there's things that you like, This, there's, there's all, we have different ideas, we have different perspectives, we have different experiences, cultures. We have bike riders, I'm not sure, uh, Marty, I don't know, you might want to check that out. Um, But it's not about checking the box about who's in the room and making sure I'm in the room. You know, <clears throat> even the Hatfields and McCoys figured this out. I mean, if you can think of disunity in history, and you want to you figure out, I mean, you want an illustration of disunity in 1891, the Hatfields and McCoys got married to each other. I mean, they figured it out. If they can figure it out, can't we figure out unity? So I want to move on towards to, uh, if they can do that, certainly the standard of Christ can be higher than what the Hatfields and McCoys achieved. I want to look at the purpose of it for <clears throat> the purpose of unity. <clears throat> to do this, we're going to open up uh, a little bit of longer text in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. And verse eleven, it says he gave him uh, he gave himself some uh, to be apostles, some were prophets, some were evangelists, some were pastors and teachers, uh, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity. There it is, of the faith and the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity with a stature that is uh, uh, measured by Christ's fullness. So then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves, blown around by the winds of every teaching and the human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. For from him the whole body, which is fit, fitted and knit together, by every supporting ligament promotes the growth in the body of the building up of self in love by the proper working of each individual part that is the point of unity there's a couple of things in here excuse me <clears throat> I want to just point out a couple of phrases in here he says he says to the measure of the fullness of Christ remember that complete here 's the completing idea the maturity idea that we, we measure us." ourselves by a standard that's the purpose of this organizational structure that he gives that's a reference to the group the purpose of the religion is to help our spirituality it assists it comes alongside our spirituality because there's only so spiritual I can be by myself I can there's this meditation time and there's personal examination time and there's all those things that we talked about in spirituality but that is enhanced, and we're going to look at exactly how it's enhanced by the together part of this. <clears throat> he says, until we attain to the unity of the faith, the faith, the religion. Remember? That's what we talked about. The faith, is, it's, it's used as a reference, that's one of those definitions. It's used as a reference to the group or as the body of ideas and, and activities that are connected with your specific belief in God. Attaining to the unity of the faith, the religion. So that we grow up in every way into him. And again, here's this idea. In every way, this completion. This is what I'm looking for. I'm wanting to not settle. I'm not settling for something. I'm reaching to something higher with my religion. So I want to cultivate it. Oh, we know this verse. This is the sledgehammer verse. This was the verse that I heard growing up. And if I was, if we missed a Wednesday night, I was gonna hit you upside the head with Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five. I didn't. We got creative. It was like we we have a Tuesday night thing. We have a this thing, we have a whatever that, that we would have a fellowship dinner and you weren't at the fellowship dinner you're losing your holy points because Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 that was like that, that, that's not exactly what this was designed for and the people who meant well they meant well this does say something about being together there is a priority on being together in this verse, you can't get around that he says, "Let us not consider. Let us consider, excuse me, one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching." Now, this is a couple of things here. So, so, so we can't get around the to being together, and we can't get around the fact that this is a high priority on being together. That it's not disposable it's not extra credit it's not optional it's not when we feel like. but I want to focus on the why because that was never really emphasized it was always the emphasis upon the making sure we check off the list the item the box Whew. I was there We can be here every week and forsake the assembly if we forget the why. If we don't do the why, then it doesn't matter what the what we do. We we did the thing, but we didn't do the why. But exhorting one another, encouragement, and so much more as you see the day approaching, that's perfection. It should not be getting less. As we see the day approaching, he says even more. As you see the day approaching, be more in tune to each other. Be more a group, be more connected, be more unified. As we see the day approaching, not less unified. <clears throat> consider religion is not by rote. He says consider one another. Think about. Be deliberate. It is not a thing. Just get up, Sunday, do the thing, and home. It is not that. Consider. I'm thinking about something when I'm walking through the door. He tells me what. That's good. He tells me what to be thinking about. How to stir up one another to love and good works, Spirituality. The together is there for the spirituality. Stir up. In other words, it's not just the sole function of the sermon. That is the function of every person who walks that in that door is to stir up to love and good works. Don't come for the sermon to do that. The sermon should do that. Otherwise, I'm wasting your time because I'm coming through the door too. But that is your function. That's the reason for the together. So I want to leave you with this. Come prepared to leave. Oh, but there's two ways we can think of that. We can come prepared simply to leave. Came through the door and I'm heading out. I I, I come through the door thinking about lunch and I come through the door thinking about the afternoon and the chores I have to do and the house needs to be picked up and the the fence that I started working on still is about half done and I can think of all those things. I I, I come prepared to leave. But that's not what I mean. I, I mean, come prepared to leave something. Come prepared to leave somebody else with something. Something for them. Something you brought in the door that's gonna be theirs when you leave. Come prepared to leave. Come with a gift. He says, listen, it was that, that reference to unity. He says, listen, if you come together with a gift and, and uh, there's this unity, put your gift down. Go make it right with your brother, then come back and present your gifts. It's about leaving something. And at the end of it, it is about unity. That's what together is about. This is about unity. So that when we leave, it makes it easier for us to be spiritual apart from one another. Okay. Let's stand together and sing.